And we're live. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Claire Bow from Rose Physical Therapy fame. She's the owner and uh, physical therapist, lead, head. Founder. Founder, physical yeah. therapist at uh, Rose Physical Therapy, which is Old City CrossFit's go-to physical therapy clinic in Washington, D.C. Anyway, what's up, Claire? How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what would you like to talk about today? <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, uh, so we're gonna we're hosting a pelvic floor workshop, or you guys are hosting the workshop mm -hmm. at our gym. Yep. Uh, and I want to ultimately get into pelvic floor issues and just kind of have a conversation around the pelvic floor. But before that, just kind of maybe a little bit of background about yourself, how sure. Rose Physical th Therapy started, how you got into physical therapy, and and just kind of let people get to know you for a second. Yeah, uh, I uh, let's see. I've been a physical therapist for a number of years now. It's actually my third career, so I had some some other things leading up to this. Wow. I didn't know that. What were the what were the first two? <laughs> <laughs> I went to graduate school for occupational therapy. Okay. And uh, did everything except the internship, so I actually never graduated, but I did all the coursework. And then I went and got a degree in special education, so I actually have a dual credentialed in special ed for uh, special needs kids under the age of six, which is early intervention. And in special ed lingo is EI, yeah. and then um, also kids who are blind and visually impaired. So at wow. some point I knew how to read Braille, but, but it's been a while. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so what, what was the transition into physical therapy? What started it? And, so uh, I, um, I really wanted to finish the OT degree, and uh, I, I looked at a bunch of different schools. I thought it was a school that I was at that was problematic, and so I moved actually from... Um, Washington State, which I'd, where I'd been in school, and I moved all the way to Chicago to, to, to go to OT school, and then I realized very quickly that I, it was actually a profession that was not right for me. Really? And so I, I, in the school that I was at, we were mixed, uh, some of our core classes, like anatomy and physiology and, and a couple others were mixed with physical therapists, and I found myself more attracted to not only the courses that they were taking, but also like all my friends were the PT students, not the OT students. So I went to the head of the PT department and I said, I think I'm supposed to be a physical therapist. I just didn't know until like a week ago. <laughs> and uh, he was like, well, you know, our prereqs are different. I'm like, ah, I've got a master's degree and I've got all this other stuff. I'm pretty sure I've got the prereqs. And he was like, well, yeah, you probably do. Okay. So he said, we'll just start going to the PT courses and we'll just take care of the paperwork. Wow. That's <laughs> and awesome. So that was that. I, and I never looked back. Yeah. And so you became a physical therapist. Yep. And uh, I practiced in a bunch of different settings. So I, I've been working in healthcare for 23 plus years. Wow. And uh, I started as a nurse's aide in a nursing home when I was 16. Okay. <laughs> and, and I've worked in home healthcare and I've worked with kids and schools and um, yeah, you name it. And, um, and then I worked my, my way through undergrad and then uh, even as a physical therapist, I am somebody who likes variety. So I've worked in all kinds of different settings, even just for short periods of time. Nursing homes, hospitals, schools, um, children's hospitals, inpatient, outpatient, stroke people, you know, all kinds. Wow. And uh, I, I was never the person who said, I want to work with athletes. Like that never even <laughs> occurred to me. Right. And um, being an active person myself, but not somebody who considers themselves an athlete. Yeah. Uh, it just, that was not something that was uh, present for me. And then um, I, I 
my spouse is a, is an athlete and right. he was like, you really need to work with athletes. Like, you're so good at this. And I, and I was like, but I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I started taking courses and started really understanding. And now, uh, our, really our specialty here at Rose PT is, uh, the high level athlete because there are, there are basic things like there are, and a, and a lot of PT clinics are geared towards, um, post-surgical people because there's a lot of people out there having surgeries and there's a lot of and then those people need rehab afterwards but our specialty is people who haven't had surgery and are having issues and our goal is to prevent surgery yeah and um so and so that sort of the, the people who are in that boat are kind of the uh working age adults who like to stay active and yeah. um so that's really our specialty here and and then um the way to that is is being really good at anatomy and really good at manual work and and knowing how to fit everything together in the in, in the jigsaw puzzle that is the body yeah. and uh you know i sort of i i feel like my honestly my start as a physical therapist started with me sort of doing my own mechanics on my vehicles like I always worked on my own vehicles and I rebuilt wow. a motorcycle and like all this what? stuff but really like that's all we are as physical therapists we're like mechanics for the body interesting it's understanding how it all fits together and how it's all supposed to work and then assessing somebody's body and saying oh this part isn't working and we need to get it working in unison with everything else because just like an engine everything has to be working in unison and properly in order for the whole thing to function. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think one of the one of the things that initially drew me to physical uh, Rose Physical Therapy when, you know, cuz I was looking for a place to get physical therapy when I was, you know, I guess I still am working out, I guess from time <laughs> to time, but one of the one of the cool things about you guys is that you your mission is to get us back into doing the things that we want to do. And very early on in my CrossFit life, I, you know, I started doing CrossFit. I had back surgery in, you know, when I was in, in my early 20s. And I started CrossFit and my knees started hurting and my back started hurting. And then I would go to physical therapists, a lot more of these, you know, very traditional types. And they would be like, oh, well, stop lifting weights. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 28. Yeah. What, what do you mean stop lifting weights? Yeah. Like, is this my life now? I'm not allowed to pick things up anymore. Yeah. And, and like, I don't want you to tell me how to not make it hurt. Of course, like sitting on the couch and doing yeah. nothing is going to not make it hurt. I want you to tell me how to not make it hurt and still do the things I want right. to do. Right. And so when I found you guys, uh, it was really cool because it was like, all right, what hurts? Here's like, we're going to teach you how to make your body stronger and better so that you can get back into CrossFit. So you can get back and do the things in life that you really want to do and not like you're not in the business of closing doors of right. people, people's lives. You're in the business of opening the doors. Right. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. Well, thank you. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and the other thing I noticed that's, that's really cool. And I don't know if this is a lot of physical therapy places. I haven't been to very many, but I, the, the few that I've been to were really busy and a therapist is working with, you know, there's some overlap and it, yeah. it kind of makes sense because I don't need somebody to watch me while I foam roll for five minutes. And, yeah. um, but I was blown away by the, like the whole hour is spent with the therapist yeah. and there's so much personal attention yeah. at this clinic. It, it literally blew me away. And I was like, what? Like yeah. I had, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I'd imagine that's very intentional. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, our goal is to spend the time in therapy with the things that you can't do on your own. 
Yeah. And so that the five minutes of foam rolling, you can do that on your own. You right. don't. We don't need to watch you unless we're teaching you something. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that is a valuable use of your time in treatment. Right. And uh, and that allows us to really focus on the things that you can't do at home, or 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 training how to do those things, or correcting, or or whatever it is. So yeah. that it is very intentional. And and then the other thing that that does is is it typically decreases the number of visits that you need. Right. So so the goal would be you know not three times a week like your maybe your prescription says, but let's do one once a week because you can do all the other stuff. Yeah. On your own, and then you just come for the things you that you need. Right. More. You you kind of show up for the manual sessions, and then get taught how to do the exercises, what yeah. exercises to do, and then since you're, I, I would imagine that since you're working with um, a more motivated client, right, the the person who wants to get back to their sport, or who's or the people or the person who is still doing their sport but has some pain, which is yeah. really ultimately. Telling somebody to stop doing whatever their activity is is like a last resort. Right. That 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 would be like a really like okay, I actually don't know what else to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of last resort. So the goal is to keep people doing what they're doing and resolve whatever the issue is. Yeah, but I would imagine you're working with a much higher motivated yes. client who's most of them. Probably, like, I think the hardest part about what you guys do is the fact that when people go home, <laughs> how many people are really compliant with 100% of their exercises, you know? People are, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed with people here. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's cool. But I think that's a, it's a testament to kind of the, the system that you've set up. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, it's, built, it's built with the expectation. Like, we're not going to waste your time. But, you know, don't waste our time. Like, come in, haven't right. done the exercises. Right. And maybe it's not that blunt. Uh, no, the, sometimes it is. <laughs> and sometimes you, sometimes people are like, look, I just legitimately don't have time. So there's two solutions. We can either say, well, let's just hold off until you're really ready to, to, be, to do this. Or there are some people that say, you know what? I actually am not going to do my homework unless I come in. So I'm going to book three times a week so that I can be accountable. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. No, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, cool. So now, so you have a location in Northwest and then you just opened the location we're in right now, which is in, are we in Southeast? We are in Southeast. Southeast. Yeah. Uh, officially it is the, um, uh, Capitol Riverfront. Okay. That is the official name of the neighborhood here. Although everyone pretty much calls it Navy Yard. Navy Yard. (laughs) I didn't know it was called, uh, Capitol Capitol, River. Capitol Riverfront. Yeah. Well, in the heart of the Navy Yard. Yes. Um, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Thank you. We, yeah, our location is downtown, and um, this is a, the second location is a new venture. It's been, it's good. Yeah. It's a growing neighborhood. That's awesome. So, um, pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of the things that I, I think as I've grown as a physical therapist, this is something that the awareness has, has really, my awareness has really heightened, and it's something that I never, it never even occurred to me to ask my particularly my, my athlete clients, whether they were having, if you ask somebody if they have pelvic floor issues, they're going to go, I don't know what that is. But, um, like stress incontinence. So if somebody is peeing their pants, doing something where they're, uh, or exertional incontinence would be the other one, um, where, you know, you're lifting something and you, and you have leakage that is, first of all, it's not normal. Yeah. And, and it's something that, 
I never, it never even occurred to me to ask. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that I has really, and I have conversations with all the therapists now about the importance of making this a question on intake, whether you're a, a runner, cyclist, CrossFit or whatever, right. making sure that this is something, you know, that people, and that's, also one of the benefits of having sort of a, a, a room that we're doing therapy in versus a big open, you know, treatment area where yeah. you can ask these kinds of questions and hopefully get an honest answer. Right. Um, because it is, I, I think that it's gotten to the point now where people are having enough discussions about it that people sort of are aware that it's happening maybe to other people, right. but not maybe they, they're like, well, I've had a couple kids and like, this is just normal. And it's like, yeah. no. It's actually never normal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, it's just, there's some pretty simple solutions to it. And it's, and, but people are, are not talking about it or just not aware. Yeah. I first heard about it. I was following K-Star's mobility project and, you know, episode 200 or 260, he was like, it is not okay to pee your pants when doing double unders. And I was like, this is a thing. And he, he was talking about how in their gym, there was a few women who would just do double unders and then they'd have some towels and yeah. then they just clean up and that's just what it did. Yeah. And, and the whole concept that that's not a normal thing. I mean, I, I wasn't even aware that that was a thing. Right. And then when we started the gym, you know, occasionally that it comes up like, Hey, this is happening. Is this, is this normal? Is this, yeah. And the answer is no. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know, outside of go see a physical therapist, yeah. I don't I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And so um, part of what I wanted to do with this conversation and with this workshop we're doing in February is learn, um, learn what the symptoms are of like, wow, you see a physical therapist, definitely see a physical therapist. And then what are things that that people can incorporate into daily, weekly routines to sort of stay ahead of the curve and yeah. prevent. And then obviously how childbirth and how all that affects it and how that changes things. And then the pelvic floor in men is also something that I'm right. super interested in. Um, but before we dive into all the specifics, what is the pelvic floor? <laughs> <laughs> The pelvic floor can be thought of like a bowl. So okay. basically it's like a dish that kind of holds everything else. It's basically the bottom lining to your pelvis. And it can be thought of in layers. Uh, it is something that um, can be treated externally some, internally some, like an intravaginal treatment would be somebody who, you know, would potentially need that um and um but there's also like engagement of the abdominal muscles for example will sort of help engage the pelvic floor muscles and then things like the like kegels for example are is a term that people know but they and they sort of i think everyone sort of understands that it's the sensation of like if you were peeing and you would try to stop the flow that that is what a kegel feels like but but a normal strength for the pelvic floor would be able to hold that for 30 seconds. And a lot of people can't do that. Like Interesting. A lot of people can't, they, even if they can accomplish a Kegel, it's like a, just a momentary contraction of the muscle and then they can't hold it. Okay. So it's, it's the musculature that makes up the base of our pelvis. Yes. Loosely. Thanks for boiling that down. <laughs> well, simple. Let's keep things simple. It's been a while since I took anatomy. <laughs> So uh, yep. the muscles on the bottom part of the body. <laughs> right, right. All right. So um, 
so any leakage, any any incontinence is not normal. Right. And um, it, 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 and that can happen for a number of different reasons. Um, any so in terms of like muscles in general, you can muscles can have a couple of different manifestations of issues. So if so, if you feel like you're weak in any muscle, weakness sometimes isn't always what it appears. So if you're having an issue with, you know, whatever, a bicep curl, something yeah. real basic. If you're having an issue with a bicep curl, let's say one is much easier than the other and you go, oh, I'm weak on this side. So I'm going to do a bunch of bicep curls on this one to get strong. And it just isn't going anywhere. Oftentimes it's because the muscle is tight. So when you have tightness in a muscle, it's contracted. So just, it's like a knot in the muscle and you can think of it like a knot in a rope. So you right. have basically the rope, if it should be, you know, a foot long and it's only three quarters of a foot long because of that knot, it has less capacity. So when you're trying to ask it to activate, it can't do, it can't work properly because it's got this knot in it. Okay. And so you said the knot is a contraction. Right. So. Like an involuntary contraction within the muscle. Okay. So my bicep. Yep. ton of muscle fiber. I mean, we're talking, yep. my bicep is huge. <laughs> like one, of the, one of the biggest. <laughs> yep. So uh, there might be a few muscle fibers or yep. some, some muscle within the bicep that is contracted. Yes. And it's that contraction that, that shortens the muscle, that shortens the muscle and creates yep. the knot. Right. And so when we do in the gym, when we do foam rolling, lacrosse ball work, the voodoo floss stuff, yep. all of that is to release the contraction. Yes. And the, by releasing the cr- contraction, we're breaking through the knot. Right. And okay. it allows the muscle to work properly. Got so it. if um, if you... Uh, so again, using a bicep curl as an example, your strongest part of the bicep curl is in the mid-range. So you're not doing bicep curls with your elbows straight, and you're not doing them with them fully bent. You, the strongest part of that is in the, is the middle part of that arc. Okay. If your muscle is already shortened because of a knot, then it changes that arc. So like if mm. you if you if it if you have a knot and you can't ever fully lengthen the muscle, it's gonna change the strength and it's going to appear weak. Got it. Could you also so it's gonna it's gonna because it's shorter, yep. that's one factor. Could you also yep. think of it like is this a different a different thing or is this a different way to think about it since that muscle since there's let's say my bicep is 100% and then 20% of it is contracted yeah. is knotted yeah. so i'm only i'm only curling with 80% of my right. overall potential yeah um, so is it kind of both things or is that just two ways to look at the same thing i don't know if that makes any sense i think it's both okay where it's a little shorter and so there's a mechanical disadvantage because it's yes. shorter. It's shorter yes. because it's contracted. Right. And since it's contracted, it's not contributing to the effort of the Correct. rest of the muscles in That's the body. Right. That's right. So, but it is not truly weak. It right. just appears weak. Right. So if you go, you do your rutabans, you do your mobility, you stretch it, whatever, and suddenly you feel much stronger. It's not because it was ever weak. It's because it was tight. Okay. So if applying that logic, but then... On the other hand, it could also be weak. Maybe you haven't used it, or maybe you've been doing a unilateral activity or whatever. Right. So, like, there's the two things, the two options. If you apply that to the pelvic floor, you can be, you can have leakage because things are too tight and the muscles can't work properly. Interesting. Or you can have leakage because things are weak and not engaging properly. 
Okay. So, and that's where something like physical therapy would come in to make that assessment. Is it weak or is it tight? Okay. And what's causing the dysfunction? Got it. Now, is there anything to, I mean, the concept of like bicep, tricep, um, yes. extension and flexion. Yep. Where is it possi- possible to, you know, overtrain your bicep and then have underdeveloped triceps and have the strength of the bicep create problems with the elbow because there's not balance? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a little different just because the muscles are shaped differently or and they're, you know, placed a little bit differently. So you don't have that direct sort of agonist-antagonist okay. relationship like you do with, say, a bicep and a tricep. But you still, the muscle principle of the muscle has to fully relax in order to engage when it's needed the next time still applies. Okay. So again, it sort of goes back to that tightness versus weakness okay. um, discussion. So it's the, um, the muscles have to relax in order to engage properly. And the only, and in the agonist antagonist relationship, if you're curling your, if you're contracting your bicep, the tricep has to be relaxed. Got it. And if the tricep is tight or not relaxed, then you will get um, a, a artificial, again, weakness of the bicep. Got it. So if I have a, a lot of knots in my tricep, yep. or if my tricep's super weak, yep. then it'll affect my biceps. Right. That makes sense. So, and, and the same can be true... The same, it's, it's a slightly different relationship, but the pelvic floor has similar sorts of muscles. So, like, if your abs are really strong, but your pelvic floor is really weak, then your the incontinence issue is going to be worse because you're contracting something around it that's going to push on it oh. and cause more problems. Got it. So, if you're sort of overtraining in the external muscles, glutes, uh, abs, things like that, and not... Uh, working on your pelvic floor also, that can cause, that is an imbalance. Right, right. So the same way that you want to develop strength, you know, for, you know, functional strength and and harmony, you don't want to do a ton of pull-ups and never do dips. Right. Uh, You want to be aware of that balance and that harmony on the pelvic floor as well. Right. That makes sense. Um, I think how to do that is probably another conversation. This is a more in-depth thing and maybe come to the workshop. Yeah. (laughs) So... So, all right, I get what the pelvic floor is there for and, and where it is and what it is. Um, let's jump to a few symptoms that if you, like, we've been talking a lot about incontinence. Okay, so yeah. if, if you, if some pee comes out when you're jumping, yep. if you sneeze and some pee comes out, if yep. you contract your abs and that causes you to pee. Yep. So any type of incontinence like that. Not normal. Not normal. Yep. See a physical therapist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's probably the easiest way. And sometimes it's only a session or two. Right. You get some you get some tips and tricks and you're like, oh I oh I get it. Right. And maybe maybe your pelvic floor is just weak and you aren't even really sure how to engage it. Right. You've learned the tricks to engage it, like you know, there are some specific techniques and then and then you're like, oh I'm, I get it, I'm fine. Right. Now I understand what a Kegel actually is. Okay, I can right. do those. Okay. So in we've been talking um I, I've only really seen the incontinence issue in women. I, maybe it's happening in men and they're just not saying anything, but <laughs> pelvic floor in men, is it the same? Does it present the same way? Sometimes. Um, it can also present with things like erectile dysfunction, which is another another 
thing that, again, is like people don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and, um, and so, and men have their own version of a Kegel and, and, and a, a, a pelvic floor contraction that will allow to strengthen. But again, it's assessing whether is it tight or is it weak. Okay. And figuring that out is is where the a professional would come in. Right. So, um, men, if you're peeing yourself, erectile dysfunction, yeah. maybe it's a pelvic floor issue. Could, Could be. be other things. Yeah. Um, women, if you're peeing when you're jumping, sneezing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Probably a pelvic floor issue. Probably. Probably. So see a physical therapist for that. So that's kind of the the symptom world of things. But for people who aren't quite there yet. What are things that we can be doing in the gym? What are things that we can be doing just at home as part of our daily maintenance routines to create that um, strength and, um, and release the, the tension, I guess? Is that the right, right way to think about it? Yeah. Strengthen and um, release the knots. Sure. Um, I feel like... So in general, in terms of public floor health, the easiest and simplest thing is Kegels. And that's just the stop your pee. Yep, kind, kind of contraction, but you should be able to do that without needing to like you shouldn't need the sensation of urination to accomplish that. Right. So you should be able to do it without actually needing to pee at the same time in order to feel it. Okay. You should be able to hold it for 30 seconds. Okay. So the goal, even if you can't get there, the goal is 30 seconds. So we should be doing Kegels a few, few times, times every day. day. Yeah. So like sets of 10, three sets of 10, is there, you No, know. probably like at 30 seconds, probably like a set of three. Okay. Like it doesn't need to be a ton, but enough. And then, so then if, if you're having issues doing, so let's say one day you're like, huh, I can't get, I can't get to 30 seconds today then that's an indicator that something is going on. Just like you would want to check your mobility before you went and did something extreme in the gym, you would want to check and make sure that you're feeling loose and limber that day before you went and tried it. And if you're, you know, you get on the foam roller and something's really tight, you're like, hmm, maybe I'm not going to go do that extreme whatever. And um, I'm just going to work on mobility today. Okay. And so same kind of thing with pelvic floor. So like, let's say you can't get to 30 seconds one day. And you're like, right. huh, I wonder if something's a little tight or something's a little off. Like maybe that's not a day to do some heavy lifting. Maybe that's a day to do more mobility, more stretching, more focus on that, that pelvic floor. Okay. So what are some, what are some stretching mobility? What, what are some things that you can do that feed into the pelvic floor that could be things that we can do in the gym, things that people can do at home? Like just some ideas to start to get people thinking about stretching different parts of their body. The th the one of the muscles that I find most commonly neglected is the adductors. Wow, that comes up a lot with you. <laughs> <laughs> so adductors, which is your inner thigh muscles, uh, the inner thigh muscles are something that I find people they do everything else they do quads and it bands and glutes and hamstrings and they know that the adductors are there but like don't have any they never think about stretching them yeah so it, your adductors are not directly connected to your pelvic floor but they attach at your pubic symphysis which is right next door basically and when you're 
if you have tightness in your adductors, there, I mean, it's, again, it's that an agonist relationship where muscles all sort of work together to accomplish things. Adductors are something that I think is generally, are generally neglected and something that are really easy to address. Okay. So that, that's a really good one. Kegels so and adductors. foam roller inside of the quads or inside of the legs, yep. you know, kind of from the knee all the way up, get, yep. as, get as high as you can. Yep. Um, the crossball stuff, the voodoo yep. floss around the legs sure. is going to definitely hit the adductors. Yep. Uh, all good things to... Well, they are if you're doing ab and adduction. So if you're just doing flexion, flexion extension with your knee and you're doing voodoo bands, you're going to get your quads and your hamstrings really well. Oh, this is... You're about to blow my mind. Right. <laughs> Bring it. But if you're not... So, that, so if you're flexing and extending your knee... Yeah you're getting the muscles on the top and the yep. bottom. To get the muscles on the sides, you have to go in and out. So we're, we're talking like the fire yes. hydrant stuff laying on the ground. Yes. Oh my goodness, I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> I just assumed that if you wrapped it, it was getting it done. Yeah. Oh man, all right. Because, so if you think about what's lengthening and shortening when you flex yep. and extend your knee versus what's lengthening and extending when you're yeah. going in and out with your life. Yeah, that's, it's, it seems so obvious, but this is... Uh... <laughs> it's okay. That's why we're the mechanic. <laughs> this is why you have a clinic and I have a gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's just a different, yeah. different thing. Now I'm, I'm racing through my mind seeing all the, all the things that we... Because like, we voodoo floss a lot for elbows, biceps, shoulders, yep. obviously like knees, legs. We, we lean on the voodoo floss a lot and yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of flashing through all the things that we're doing yeah. and I'm thinking of all the planes that we're missing. And yeah. so that's really, really insightful. There are three planes. Okay. <laughs> so flexion, extension, yeah, ab so and adduction. Flex, like basically um, flexion, right? Leaning forward yep. and then side to side. Oh yeah. And then rotation. Okay. All right, that makes okay, sense. Okay, so I know that you've heard this from me before, but I'm gonna for for our for our audience, I'll yes. go through it again. Uh, your body is made of an alternating series of stable and mobile joints. Yes, and this when when you introduced this concept, it 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 blew my mind. So listen up, if you okay. if you're doing dishes, if you're just this is super 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 important. This is this is amazing. So your toes are stable joints. There's, it's a series of joints. There's a whole bunch of them in there. Your toes basically move in one plane of movement, and that is flexion extension. They do other things, like they move side to side a little bit, but their main function is flexion extension. So you can, like, toe off when you're walking and things like that. Your ankle is a mobile joint, so it doesn't just go up and down. It goes side to side, and it goes around. So it has three planes of movement. Your knee is a stable joint. It moves basically, it does one thing. It does flexion extension. Your hip is a mobile joint. It doesn't just go up and down. It goes out to the side and around. So it moves in three planes of movement. It's a mobile joint. Your lumbar spine, your low back is stable. It moves flexion extension. Your thoracic spine is mobile. It does all, it's supposed to do all three things. <laughs> uh, your low neck is stable. Again, flexion extension. Your upper neck is mobile. So if you think about mo the movement of your head, the rotation of your head, the most of it comes from the very top. Yeah, interesting. Not right. lower in your neck. So like right. all the, you know, the real like cocking your head or like looking to the side or all those things really come from your upper neck. It's right. a mobile joint. Your shoulder is a mobile joint. Your elbow is a stable joint. Your 
wrist is a mobile joint, your fingers are stable joints. Yeah. So when you take, so you have this alternating thing that goes all the way from head to toe. Right. If you take a mobile joint and you stabilize it, so like your hips are mobile, your thoracic spine is mobile, your ankles are mobile, if you tighten it up with, I don't know, injury, surgery, uh, sitting at a desk all day, whatever these things are that, that cause tightness in our mobile parts, it, if, if when you take away one of the mobile parts, it puts stress everywhere else in the system. Your mobile parts are essentially your shock absorbers. Right. So when you, if you think of a, a vehicle and you take away a shock absorber, something else is going to break because you've stabilized something and then that impact goes somewhere else in the body. And I think you see this a lot in sports. Yes. Where you wrap the ankles super tight. Yeah. And now you tear your ACL. Right. That's a perfect example. It makes sense. Um, the other thing, the thing that we see most is people who have tightness in their upper backs because they have desk jobs. Right. And we sit and play on our phones and we sit at computers and we do all the slouching. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Posture's better. That's right. <laughs> and uh, that mobile part of your, of your mid-back that's supposed to be mobile becomes stable and then you have issues in your neck or your low back, typically. Right. So whatever the mobile part is, the stress usually goes either above or below. And so is it fair to think of it also like this, where if you're, if you're looking at, you know, kind of a joint by joint assessment of the way somebody moves, mobile joints, you want to do mobility on. Yep. Stable joints, you want to do strength and stability yes. on. Yes. And so if I'm working with somebody's squat and they have a really immature squat, not like super shallow, they're not getting full depth. We're working on the hip, we're stretching, we're foam rolling, yeah. you know, lacrosse ball work and the ankles. Yeah. yeah. But the knee, there's not much stretching that happens there. A lot of it is the abductor, adductor strengthening, strengthening yeah. of the complex. Yes. So when people say, like, there's a debate going on in a lot of the CrossFit circles, this idea of, like, stretching versus movement and strengthening through movement. I mean, sounds like both camps are right. We're just yes. talking about what joint. Yes. Oh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the unified theory of mobility. That's awesome. Yeah, equal. They're, they are equally important, and you cannot do one without the other. Right. You just can't. Right. So we should be strengthening, and we should be mobilizing. And it just focus on the different types of joints and playing into the joint strength. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so um, back to the pelvic floor. Sure. We're doing... We're doing Kegels. Kegels? Yep. Kegels? Either. Kegels. We're calling them Kegels. <laughs> um, adductors. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else? So so adductor stretching, but back to your other point, adductor strengthening. It's right. also sort of a neglected thing. We spend a ton of time on glutes and hip abductors because they're really important stabilizers and quads and hamstrings and whatever, but doing adductor strengthening. So even just a simple squeezing your knees together, like putting, sitting, yep, squeezing your knees together, just that in and of itself can sometimes, it, like if you're having trouble uh, activating your pelvic floor, it will help it's a uh, agonist will help influence the contraction of the pelvic floor. Okay. So if you're having trouble with that, that's one way to sort of do it. You can squeeze your knees together and sort of squeeze your pelvic floor at the same time. So if I put like a yoga block between my knees, hold the yoga sure. block, do glute bridges maybe? Or is that... Well, it, so it, it's not wrong, yeah. but you would, you would want to spend some time and one of the sort of things that's sort of a 
finesse, I guess, about the pelvic floor is that it's important to be able to isolate. So yes, you can do that, but then you're engaging glutes, adductors, trying to get your pelvic floor, abs, all that stuff all at the same time. Okay. I think that for, particularly for the beginner, you would want to try to separate that. Okay. So like when you're sitting, squeezing your knees together, sure, you can use yoga block or not. Right. Squeezing your knees together and trying to do that without squeezing your glutes at the same time. Interesting. So, okay. and then try and do it with squeezing your glutes. Like try to isolate the different muscle groups so that you can really feel the different contractions in the different places. That makes sense. And if, you know, if someone gets pretty strong at just, at just the contraction, um, is there some sort of resistance, like a, like a low resistance band that you could put around and start doing some strengthening stuff in that way? You could also just use gravity. So like lay on your side. Yeah. Or get one of those Jane Fonda leg things. Right. Yeah. Everything's coming back. What is it? The thigh master. The thigh master. The thigh master. Yep. Yeah. No, no, not that's uh, Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. Okay. The thigh master. It should be called the abductor master. Adductor. Adductor. Oh, that's right. Ad. Abduction is to take away. Adduction bring together. Yes. Right. Kids Ad. get it. Kids get abducted. Right. They rarely get adducted. Right. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, Hopefully, they get adducted later. Back, yeah. Eventually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it should be the adductor. Yes. Machine. Right. Or master. Adductor master. All right. Cool. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna mobilize our adductors. We're gonna strengthen our adductors. We're gonna get a thigh master for the gym. Yep. And um, okay, so that feeds in. What else? Isolating glute contractions. Okay. So again, even just sitting or laying down, however you want to do it, but not so like don't do a Superman. Like that's everything. Yep. And what that's going to do is activate your posterior chain, but it's really easy to lo- leave out your pelvic floor when you do right. that. So a Superman laying on your stomach, just sort of arching up. Yeah. Sort of like a reverse hollow hold. Right. Okay. Would be a way to activate your posterior chain, but not necessarily right. a good way to activate your pelvic floor. So you, again, it's isolating. It's really, I think, picking apart the different muscle groups and getting in tune with your body. I yeah. think a lot of a lot of pelvic floor issues, I guess this is sort of has led me to this, but um, this conversation has brought me to this, but um, a lot of, I think the reason why a lot of people have issues with the pelvic floor is because they're just not in tune with mm. that muscle group. Yeah. And so, and that happens with athletes in all parts of the body where you're like, oh, I'm always doing bicep curls and I'm never doing tricep curls right. or whatever dips or, you know, whatever, however you accomplish activating the tricep. So you create these imbalances. Yeah. And um, so the imbalance that is potentially created by doing the Superman is you're getting the posterior chain, but you're never really getting the core. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So a way to isolate the glute um, without anything else. Let me think about this one. Um, I Is that sort of standing and doing like leg extension? No, 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 no. You would want to do it like sedentary. Okay. This is not a... this, And it's less about strength. It's more about making sure that the muscle can activate properly independently. Got it. And it's less about like Superman would be like a strengthening activity. Right. Yeah, for sure. But I... Again, I think the the key to the pelvic floor is really being able to uh, hone in on that muscle group without activating everything else. Right. And because that gets too confusing. Yeah. And and you're just masking, like, you know, your abs can mask whatever, you know, 
a, a more important muscle that should be firing. That's not firing. You're just you're providing coverage. Your body's great at getting the job done. It's less great at getting the job done as efficiently and effectively as possible. And that's kind of how the body starts to break down. Right. And so learning how to isolate each of these muscle groups or learning how to contract each of these muscle groups in isolation, then you start to create the motor pattern to create that, that contraction in a more complicated movement. Yes, exactly. Wow. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I think you did say it better myself. <laughs> I just dumbed it down for uh, <laughs> for my understanding. Okay. So. So all of those things. So uh, even something like the hip flexors, which it's really hard to separate the hip flexors from the quads, but really doing like a very, um, you know, whether it's sitting, whether it's laying down, whether it's in a a, seat, a a laying down position with your knee, with your hip at 90 degrees and doing like a, a pressure on mm. your a resistance, just a hand resistance on your knee to, again, start to separate some of these muscle groups. What does it feel like when your uh, hip flexor is activating versus your quad? What does it right. feel like when your hip flexor is activating versus your pelvic floor? What does that feel like compared to activating your glute? And being able to activate all these th- different things separately so that the whole can work in unison better. Yeah. I think that that body awareness is something that, that at least injury. I mean, yeah. it just is something that people don't spend the time to do and they want to go do their lifting right. and, or whatever they want to do. And uh, they're always thinking in terms of the whole and you really have to break it down yeah man that's this is this is awesome i'm envisioning this video game where you hook your like, yeah, yeah. You, you hook your body up with all yep. these different sensors and it's like guitar hero yeah. and it's like activate this and you're like ding yeah and then you hit it so we actually have that <laughs> what yeah no way we do this exists it sort of exists <laughs> yep so uh the uh, surface electromyography is essentially electrodes that you put on the body it measures muscle contractions really we have that here at rose pt wow uh ironically enough and someone's uh, got to connect that to guitar hero <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> the software does have some like games and stuff you can play but i'm i always just look at the line graph i'm boring right <laughs> um but our the one that we have can look at four muscles at a time and okay. uh, and and show it literally is like a line graph where you're like oh that's activating the line goes up when it's not when it's relaxed the line goes to flat, and uh, so it is something that we do use from time to time. Mostly we use it on people who have chronic shoulder issues who yeah. are tensing their shoulders all the time and don't know that they're doing it. It's like a body awareness thing. So that will pick up um, like if someone has a knot that's a constant contraction. Or is that different? That's different because that's that's small. That's very it's yeah and it's also not the same the the physiology of it is different than an active contraction okay well that's a topic for another day yeah so there's (laughs) there's active and inactive contraction that's what you're telling me yeah yeah all right got a lot to learn here guys (laughs) okay um any other type of exercise for the preventative side of things just learning how to contract in isolation all of the muscles that kind of feed into the pelvic floor yep so we yep, have doing some activation activities, not necessarily strengthening, uh, and then doing isolated strengthening stuff, which is stuff you're probably already doing in the gym anyway, but also understanding all the muscle groups that are, that are at play. So 
you know, don't just do a squat. Like, think about all the parts that you need to accomplish that squat, which it sounds like you, yeah. you spend we a lot Yeah, we spend a lot of time doing. teaching the bracing sequence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more than open to your input on sort of the way that we generally teach bracing. So we sort of have people set their pelvis by either mm-hmm. squeezing their butt, screwing their feet in the ground, creating mm-hmm. external rotation, mm-hmm. sets their pelvis, abs tight, but we try to, like, tighten through the, through the bottom, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, and yep. then sort of, like... Pull up. Pull up, right? Yeah. And the way that I the way that I think about it and teach often is, if you're trying to exhale, mm-hmm. kind of your abs to your spine, mm-hmm. it creates deep tension. Yeah. And then I create tension kind of through a breath through the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and now your spine is set. And so now mm-hmm. you obviously you can't create hip flexion if your butt is squeezed. So we try to cr- keep maintain hip tension through the external rotation in the floor yeah. through our feet and then obviously the abs stay on which hold the pelvis in place and then we then we move whether it's deadlift or squat and so that's generally the the midline stabilization techniques that we teach yeah a plus b plus no it's it's, <laughs> it's all good the the part that i think is really hard to incorporate is the pelvic floor and it's yeah. really important so when right. you do sort of set your abdominals and and pull in and pull up it pushes down on the pelvic floor right. so it creates this stress so like if you even just like hold your breath that valsalva maneuver which is what that's called mm. it 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 puts pressure on the pelvic floor, and if you if it's not activated, it will create a, a system that will allow something like incontinence. Okay. So that so when you do that, but it's it's a really hard thing to cue. Got it's it. Like I wouldn't even without you know without having the privacy of like a therapy session. Yeah. I I. Let me think about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. Come to the workshop. <laughs> but is that, I mean, is, is activating activating the pelvic floor, is that is that the key goal? Well, it's certainly, yes. Yes. So so an easy cue. So you would also want to stop peeing. <laughs> that would be the other cue. So activate the pelvic floor by yeah. stopping the pee. Yep. And then go through the ab. Yes. And so every time we squat, we should be clenching the pee muscle. Yes. That's easy. Yeah. We can do that. Totally easy. That's done. Yeah. Skip the workshop. (laughs) Okay. No, that's, that's super helpful. Um, because I never, I never thought about it in that regard. I I just assumed that if you, if you set the, set the pelvis, squeeze the abs, that that pulls the pelvic floor into place. But the idea that the pelvic floor is still open and now you're pushing down on it. Yeah. And that would explain a lot of the, the incontinence issues where people are stabilizing from their abs when they're jumping rope or whatever. But it's. Yeah. Not stable underneath. Underneath, exactly. Okay. It's the floor. Pelvic floor, man. Yeah, it's the floor. It's super important. If you don't have a floor, you're going to fall right through. That's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane because you'd think that it would just naturally, like it would naturally be one of the strongest parts because it's yeah. literally the, the bottom, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting how... So what, what do you think is the, the cause of a lot of that dysfunction? When we see people move in the gym, we see... The immature squats, we see the hunched over. It's obvious, you know, the sedentary lifestyle that we've, yeah. you know, the nine to five desk sitting a lot is kind of the cause. And so that's one thing that we're constantly fighting. Let's get standing desks. Let's walk. Let's teach posture. Let's do stretching to, you know, reverse the effects of all of that. Um, what's is as there is what's the deal with the public floor? Is it the same sort of stuff? We sit all day and same thing. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, if, I mean, if we were out, like, riding horses and, like, you know, running more and, like, a- active, it would be a lot less of a problem. Okay. So, so the more of the preventative um, ideas for pelvic floor health are just the, the same thing that we're kind of preaching all day, every day, right? Yeah. Be more active. Yeah. Be less sedentary. Um, stand more. Do walking meetings. Take your phone calls, you know. And... I think in our world, in the world, the culture that we are in now, it's so easy to live disconnected from our bodies because we are playing on our phones and we're watching TV and we're doing things that disconnect us from our mm-hmm. own physical being. And um, at the risk of sounding like totally frou-frou, that is something that we need more of is like mind-body connection. Yeah. And, that, and, that, uh, and the pelvic floor is something that gets is like really neglected because yeah. it's a, it's it also in our culture. It's like not something people want to talk about. It's right. like not something people want to address. It's embarrassing. It's whatever. And, uh, so it just, it really gets left behind. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. We, we have these, um, these soft kind of balls that we lay on our stomachs and we sort of stretch out the abs and then the, yeah. the psoas that go through and, kind of roll them around and then kind of push them to the top of the pelvis. Yeah. Is that doing anything for pelvic floor health, like releasing ab tension, or is that just kind mm, of... It, I mean, it certainly helps. Like, like it, you know, that same, that relationship where if you have something that's tight, it's going to affect something else. So, yeah, so yeah it's always good to, to keep everything balanced. Yeah. Sure. Um, lacrosse ball work and the glutes. Yep. All, all of it. All good. All, all good. Now, I saw some on YouTube with these. Uh, the little, they're not quite lacrosse balls. Think more like tennis ball, but just kind of sitting on it. Yeah. And the muscles kind of in the middle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is yeah. That, is that uh, a thing? Yeah. Um, potentially, it's one way to sort of get to your pelvic floor, I guess. It's, uh, there are internal tools and there are, there are external tools. Um, and uh, so... And but again, it's figuring out whether is it tight or is it weak. Right. And I, I, I so making that determination and figuring it out. I mean, if something's really painful and tender, you can bet that it's tight. Tight. Yeah. And if something is, you just like I didn't, didn't even know that was a thing. That it's probably right. weak. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that the, the the video that I saw that was talking about that was this idea that you know. Kegels all day, every day isn't necessarily the solution. Right, right? exactly. That because can that's lead, like doing can, a million bicep curls and never doing... Exactly. It can lead to over-tightening. Okay. Yeah. And so they were they were presenting that, you know, the loosening component would be putting the mm-hmm. putting the ball down there and just rolling out. Sure. Sitting on it at work or whatever. Yeah. That might be a little weird, but... <laughs> well, I mean, you know... Wherever you got to get it in. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That's, that's, really, that's really helpful. Um... I'm trying to think if I have any more questions. This is... The one thing I, that I will add is, you know, you mentioned um, postpartum. Oh, yeah. And pregnancy, which puts a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor and then, of course, stretches it all out. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go from something that's supposed to be, uh, you know, not, not having a head shoved through it and shoving a head through it. Right. It is supposed to have a head shoved through it, but, you know. Right. Um, and so, and then our sedentary lives don't necessarily lead to it sort of springing back to where it's supposed to be, rel- you know, relatively quickly. Mm. And so, um, that's just, a, it's another factor of things that, uh, I think that a lot of moms are like, well, I've had kids. Like, of course I have urinary incontinence. It's 
like, no. So that's still no, not wrong. Not a thing. It's right. not a thing. <laughs> and would would a postpartum situation, I mean, obviously not like immediately postpartum, but, you know, three months removed from pregnant or from, you know, having the child, would, would that prescription for that woman be the same as, you know, all the stuff that we've kind of been talking about? Activation, isolation, isolation, activation. yep. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Same thing for men, right? It's it's the same conversation. Yeah. It's it's the Kegels. It's the all the muscles that come in, learning how to learning how to contract them properly and separately and separately. Yeah. Right. This has been mind blowing. <laughs> this is really cool. Um, so if you're listening to this before February 10th, then come to the workshop. Dude, is one or one thirty? What do we say? I think one thirty. One o'clock. Anyway, one or one thirty. We'll have a sign up link. Uh, on all the social media stuff. It's a free workshop. I don't think we're capping it to a set number of people. It's however many people you can accommodate. Yeah, so show up, uh, and it's going to be... 1.30. 1.30. 1.30 to 3.30, Saturday, February 10th at 1007 H Street. And, um, yeah, so... You're hosting it. Rose yep. Physical Therapy is your pelvic floor expert going to be there? Or is it is it us? Is it's it, going to be me. That's what yep. I'm talking about. Yep. The and, pelvic floor expert. And we have um, and a couple other people will be coming to assist. Okay. But cool. Be me leaving. Awesome. And then for this workshop, um, we're going to go through. I would imagine a lot of these isolation contraction exercises yep. and learning how to feel what muscles to fire and how to mm-hmm. fire them and a lot of stuff that just. It's hard to describe through a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll bring some models and we, and some drawings and some pictures, and we can you know it's easier to visualize. Yeah, and honestly, I think we we accomplished my my biggest goal with this podcast is just to figure out w- what the intervention points are for people to get to a physical therapist because oftentimes it's easy when it's when we're talking about shoulders or knees it it hurts or this I have nerve pain and you know it hurts when I do this. But a lot of times we we don't know when it becomes an issue, and so any any sign of incontinence during normal activity, we're we're going to the physical therapist, and then for men incontinence, and then the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> See things we don't like to talk That's about. That's right. Um, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, we're going to see a physical therapist for that. But then in the gym, we're going to work on all the things that we worked on. And I'm really excited to we're, – we're having a lot of coaches come to this, and I'm excited to incorporate some of these isolation exercises into our warm-ups. And that's what we've been trying to do a lot of in the gym is sort of using the warm-up portion as a little bit of prehab mm-hmm. and learning yeah. how to activate and then doing a lot of the stretching, recovery, mobility work after the workout. Yeah. And it's been it's been working out pretty well for us. Awesome. Sweet. Well, if you need physical therapy, check out <laughs> <laughs> check out Rose Physical Therapy, and um, and yeah, I think that's all we have. Thanks. Thanks, Claire. This yeah. is awesome. High five.